The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We're going to talk about the Bucks buyout market candidates. We're going to also talk about why I was conflicted about last night's Bucks loss. And lastly, we will talk about a Marquette trend that worries me slightly. So all hoops all the time. We're getting into the hoop season. Happy to be talking basketball uh, during this time as we are transitioning out of football. Although I've been talking about basketball for the last few months. Find us on all the social medias if you're not following us there. Tapping the keg on Twitter, uh, tapping the keg sports everywhere else. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We'd appreciate all the support. I know some of you follow on a couple. Maybe let's get you following on all of them, huh? What, what do you say? Uh, lastly, we are on anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm sure you're already subscribed. But if you're not, if you're new to the program, if you're just joining us, welcome. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on everywhere else. And for those longtime listeners, make sure you're leaving reviews, make sure you're leaving ratings. Uh, that helps us. It gets us more people finding out what we're all about. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and buyout candidates. Milwaukee Bucks need some roster help. Uh, we knew this as they cleared some roster spots when they traded away Sammy Ojale and Rodney Hood, as well as Dante DiVincenzo. Um, and they brought back Serge Baca, but they need guys to fill those roles. Right now, the Bucks are pretty ragged. Their bench features Lindell Wennington, Wigington, who got 18 minutes of real game time yesterday, uh, as well as other players. Nora also got a ton of playing time yesterday and in the loss to the Portland Trailblazers. It's obvious that the Bucks need some help. The Bucks know that they're going to hunt the buyout market and they know that buyout candidates are going to want to come to Milwaukee. I know that's a crazy thing. That's something that we never really discuss when people are talking about destinations. Milwaukee is usually not one of them. But when it comes to the buyout market, a lot of these guys are championship ring hunting and they want a ring. And Milwaukee likely gives them a great opportunity, not only to win a ring, but to get significant playing time. This is not going to be one of those things where they just hang out on the bench, they cash a check and they play maybe five to 10 minutes. It's realistic that one of these buyout guys could play up to 15 minutes per game. So that's really exciting. Now, the other part of this is that buyout guys usually do not make a whole lot of difference. Like usually a buyout player you think might come through and be a deity for your team, and he just isn't. You know, Marvin Williams is a great example of this, right? The Bucks got Marvin Williams before they won a championship, uh, the bubble year. Uh, they bought out, and Marvin Williams was a guy that went to the Bucks. The Bucks desperately needed a guy like Marvin. He was Bobby Portis before Bobby Portis, and Marvin Williams did not do an ounce of, of anything, really. I mean, Mar Marvin Williams, you know, was a fine buck, but he didn't really make a huge impact. And because of that, it was not this, the expectations I think were just way too high. The expectations were way too high for Marvin Williams and way too high for, you know, bio guys. So that's a cautionary tale. I want to preface that before we talk about how all these guys can help the Bucs, it's a pretty long list. I mean, there are a good amount of guys that could get bought out. Now, not every one of these guys will get bought out. The hope is that some of them do and that the Bucks are a team that they want to play for. I think it helps Milwaukee that the Lakers are so bad because there's no real interest in going to L.A., either the Lakers or the Clippers. Both are playing teams. If a guy wants to go to L.A., it's because he just wants to live there, right? It's just because he wants to hang out, DM Instagram models, and just be there. And it's like, if he does, good on him. 
Now Miami does have the best team in the in the East. I think that makes Miami an attractive destination, but also the playing time for Miami is very limited. Uh, you do not have a lot of opportunity with all of the guys that the Heat have because they keep finding guys in random corners of the United States, the Max Truces, the Gabe Vincents of the world. Then you have Chicago, who Chicago, great city to live in. Uh, it's, some people would say it's Milwaukee's older brother. I would tell you to fuck off if you think that way. But And Chicago has opportunity. Chicago has playing time. But who knows when, you know, that playing time might, you know, kind of tighten up. You know, the Bucks kind of have that guaranteed playing time. That thing is not going away. You're not going to all of a sudden lose your playing time. Maybe a little bit on the interior, but I don't think the Bucks are going to look at interior players because Serge Baca was that interior answer. So I don't think they're going to look at an interior guy for the buyout market. So Chicago does provide a good good amount of opportunity. That said, I I don't know. I don't think the Bulls have as well of a shot to win the title because of their size inside with Nikola Vucevic. And I think a smart NBA player, as well as his agent, would know there's a better chance that you win a ring and you get to be like NBA champion Gary Harris, who we're going to talk about here in a second as our number one guy, than Gary Harris, Chicago Bulls contributor, and he you get out in the second round. Because that's what I think the Bulls are. And I think that's their peak. I know some might think the Bulls can win, win the NBA East. I think that would be a very tall task for the Chicago team. And then Philadelphia, I don't know their roster construction. I think, you know, James Harden's out till after the All-Star break. I think James Harden's fine. I think he just doesn't want to play with his friends because they basically dissed him at the All-Star draft. And so James Harden's like, fuck these guys. And it's classic James Harden. Like, that's exactly the type of person James Harden is. Um, I'm not really surprised at that. He's a sensitive guy. And this is just more evidence to that. But that hurts, I think, Philly in the buyout market because they don't know roster construction right now. No one knows what Philadelphia is going to look like. So for a buyout guy to look at it and say, all right, I want to come to Philly, he doesn't really know exactly what this looks like. He doesn't know what this sort of of approach is going to be. And I think that would definitely worry me if I was one of these guys looking at it. So I don't think the Bucs have a ton of competition in the East. I think in the West... Phoenix has their roster pretty set. I mean, Phoenix has done a really good job of getting guys. Like, Bismack Biombo is a great example of this. Like, he was a guy they brought in. I mean, if you want to talk about a regret this season, it's the Bucks not getting Bismack Biombo instead of DeMarcus Cousins. Like, Bismack Biombo would have been a better option to Boogie. I can't remember the timeline. You'd have to keep me honest on that. But it, it, to not have Bismack and to have DeMarcus instead, you wouldn't have even needed to trade Ibaka. Now, I'm happy as hell they got Ibaka and that they moved off Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood. Like, that's fine that they did that, and Dante for that matter. But it still would have been nice to have a guy like Bismack Biombo. I think the Warriors will be involved. I think teams will want to go to the Warriors, but I would imagine the Warriors are going to look after, like, bigs, like a Derek Favors, a Wancho Hernan Gomez, like... To me, those are the type of guys that are going to go to Warriors. I don't think they're going to be looking at guards or wings as much as they're going to look at trying to get more size on that team. And then I think it's kind of it. Like I think it's Golden State, Phoenix, and everybody else. You could throw Memphis in there, but I'm dubious of Memphis because of the lack of playoff experience. Also, same same thing with Cleveland. So I and again, Memphis has a pretty set roster. Um, and I didn't mention Cleveland on the other side, but Cleveland too. Like they both have really set rosters. So. I think this all sets up for the Bucks and their buyout candidates. Didn't expect to preview the market before I started, but here we are. Uh, so let's talk about the guys who I think 
would make the most sense for the Milwaukee Bucks. Number one is Gary Harris. I mentioned him at the start. I think Gary Harris would be a great option for Milwaukee. He's a 3 and D guy. He's a guy who has a little bit of playoff experience. He can shoot out of the gym if he wants to, but he can also really D up on the perimeter. I think you put a guy like Gary Harris with Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday, you can really sort of benefit defensively on the wing. Now, Gary Harris probably not going to be in your closing lineup, but he's a guy who could microwave three threes in the third, second or third quarter, and then all of a sudden that kind of flips the game. And so I think Gary Harris would be my number one option. I think that's the guy I would be looking at to add to my roster because I, I really do think Gary can help. I do worry a little bit that he hasn't been in these moments before and that maybe it gets a little too big for him, but that to be to me is secondary because also you have Giannis Antetokounmpo who I think is a great leader. I think he can help guys through that and I think that he would respond and be fine. Number two is Goran Dragic and that is a really interesting conversation, right? Goran Dragic, probably one of the least liked guys in the NBA for Bucks fans because Goran had his issue with Chris Middleton. Goran was a pain in our side in the 2020 bubble. Um, he has definitely been a Bucks killer. Now, as someone who cheered for Ramos Ramirez after he killed the Brewers as a Chicago Cub, I can tell you it takes like a week to get over it. It's weird to see it. And then after that, you're, you're done, right? Like there are just weird stuff that happens in our life and sports life all the time, right? And so I'm not necessarily going to freak out about that Goran is a sleeper cell. I think there'd be some Heat fans that would think that. Uh, but I, I do think Goran would really add to this team. He doesn't play a ton of defense. I think that's okay when you're dealing with, you have Brooke, you have Giannis, you have Bobby, you have Ibaka. I think that it'll be all right. Like I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think Dragic is much more of a floor general than say George Hill. I think Dragic can work you know, into the lane. I think the stuff he does where he kind of darts into the lane, the stuff that annoys us as Bucks fans when he was on the heat, where he would kind of go right into the early part of the lane and then find an open guy, I think could really be beneficial with Giannis, with Bobby, with Ibaka. Like I just really see that working out well. And I feel like there is legitimate smoke around him coming to the Bucks because of how much the Bucks have been mentioned with him with, with Adrian Wojnarowski. Now, I'm not a Woj guy. You know this. Um, we've talked about that. We're Shams guys, not Woj guys. But I do know that Woj is tied in. Now, I also know that that is not coming from the Bucks. That's probably coming from Dragic's camp. So Dragic looks at it and says, the best opportunity I have to win an NBA ring is with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I have not won one. I could go back there, get a ring. I think it is with the Bucks. So that's why Dragic would want to come to Milwaukee. It would also be hilarious if Dragic went to Milwaukee, considering that he was in Toronto and everyone was like, oh, he just doesn't want to be here. And it's like Milwaukee, Toronto, weather-wise, is not that different. And Milwaukee, city-wise, compared to Toronto, is night and fucking day. Like, you know, we have we don't have much, but uh, I mean, who knows? So we'll see if Dragic ends up being a Buck. Um, I think it, there's a better chance of that happening than maybe other guys that we'll mention here. Dennis Schroeder is another name that's been thrown around. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, to me, is another interesting interesting guy. I think he can really push the floor. Again, same, same concerns that with the defense aren't really there because of what we just talked about with the Bucks interior. I think they can kind of hide what Schroeder does defensively. Same thing too if he has you know Middleton or Holiday on the court with him. I think that can really help. 
he can also provide a ton of scoring for the Bucks, and I do now. I don't worry about him kind of going off into being Dennis Schroeder. I think that has been a concern in the past that Dennis Schroeder is sort of his own guy. Um, I think with the honest onto the Kumbo, he can really center him. We saw the best version of Dennis Schroeder when he was with Chris Paul, and so I think something similar would happen with him and Giannis, and Schroeder would would be focused and dialed into winning a championship, and does have a relationship with Bud. It wasn't the best early on, but people change, people grow. The fact that the Bucks were involved with Schroeder earlier before the deadline tells me that Bud has no problem with it. DeAndre Bembry is another guy. He's already been released um, by the by the Brooklyn Nets. Bembry is a excellent wing. Uh, he's a guy that can play a little bit of defense. He can shoot a little bit. Uh, definitely a scrapper. A guy who's not afraid to get into your face. Um, definitely doesn't have the scoring ability as Schroeder, Dragic, or Harris, but a good option. And I had to mention him for my guy Mitch because Mitch was Mitch kind of wants brought Bembry. Uh, he's he was on a few lists that I looked at this morning doing research for the pod. I think Bembry would be a great option for Milwaukee. Um, that to me that's more of a sneaky one. That's not necessarily going to be a ton of flash there. But if they can get Bembry right now, like, what are you waiting for? Um, get him before the All-Star break, right? Like, I don't need to watch Wigginton play 18 minutes again. I really don't. Uh, Tom, Tomas Sadoransky is the next guy that I have my, on my list. Uh, this is, like, probably the end, right? This is where, and then we'll talk about a few guys where I'm like, all right, well, we'll mention him. But Tomas Sadoransky, I kind of am intrigued by. Just he, So he has been really bad at shooting the basketball. He hasn't shoot much this year. He's 5 of 21 uh, for the season. But as a career, he's like a 37% shooter. He can also assist really well. He's a really good passer. His assist to turnover ratio is like 3 to 1. I think having a guy like that on your bench is really valuable. Um, no playoff experience, so that's a little bit of a worry. But I do think Sadoransky could have a role on this Bucks team. Um, guy that I would I would just consider. I wouldn't say that he's like a top tier guy, but he's a guy to think about. Other people worth mentioning that I'm not necessarily that hyped about, Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb can shoot the fucking lights out, all right? But I don't trust Jeremy Lamb in a big moment. I just, he, to me, is a guy that doesn't doesn't seem like he ever will play on a good team. He just seems like a bad stats, or a bad team, good stats guy. That just seems what Jeremy Lamb is. Kevin Knox, I, I mean, cool, but like, what has Kevin Knox done in his career to make you think that Kevin Knox could be a, on a playoff rotation? I just, I don't see it. John Wall, I, look, John Wall has had some moments, but how long would it take him to get ramped up? Like, John Wall's just been hanging out, probably just working out, going to Houston strip clubs, and that's all he's doing right now. And if I'm John Wall, like, it's going to take three three or four weeks to fucking even be a guy. So I'm not really into the John Wall idea. I'm also not into Eric Bledsoe. I, I understand there are some box fans who want Bledsoe back. Look, we have enough retreads on this team. We saw what this Bucks roster looked like in the bubble they lost. All right. Like, we don't need to repeat ourselves. I realize Drew Holiday's here. I realize you have a Baca. I realize Portis, right? But we don't need a bunch of retreads. I, I'm not a huge fan of the retread market. Um, I think I take that take on that from my father, who always bristles when guys come back who were former brewers. He's like, why? We know this guy stinks. Like, why do we need to bring him back? It's like, yeah, I think it's a security blanket. So I do not want Bledsoe. Um, I don't think Bledsoe is worth a, worth a buyout on a roster spot uh, for the Bucks. Be very interested to see what they do um, and definitely know it is needed because they did not play well last night against Portland. 
So speaking of that game, I, I'm really conflicted about the Bucks, honestly, and that game itself because on one point they were missing Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're now 12 and 17 when one of the big three is missing. So there's that. Bucks are five games under 500 right now. Um, if they were five games under, it, just for an entire season, they would not be a playoff team. All right. So it's clear to me that when one of these guys misses this year more so than other years. It's harder to make up for that absence. Not having Giannis there meant Yusef Nurkic owned the paint. Yusef had 23 and 16. He was incredible down low. Uh, the Bucks really didn't have any answers in the interior. Bobby, you saw why there there are concerns about Bobby Portis. You know, in terms of multiple minutes in the playoffs where he can get exposed with the right guy. Um, you know, you also have Serge Ibaka's debut. He did all right. He had that great block. Um, he was he was decent. Um, he really sort of showed that why you might bring a guy like that in. He had a lot of energy. Um, I think that's good to see. Um, I didn't expect Serge Ibaka to be starting in this first game, but so be it, right? You don't have Yasa on the Kumbo. That leads to a Serge Ibaka start. But the real commentary of it is how concerned are you? Because it's middle of the middle of February. You only have a few. You don't have that many games left. And so, are you at the point now where you're like, all games matter? You know, there's some people. This is more baseball than basketball, but the same rule could be applied. That game one matters as much as game 82. Um, baseball used game one, game 162. Because baseball, there's so many games where you're like, ah, that, that, that doesn't fucking matter. But who knows where the Bucks could shake out in this very crowded East. Right now, they are a five seed. They are behind Philadelphia. They're two and a half back from the one seed um, after losing two straight. Because because they lost two straight, they didn't play much this weekend. And the Heat and Bulls are on a tear. Uh, the Heat have won four straight. The Bulls have won five straight. And so they are now at the top. And they've been at the top. And they're kind of looking like they're going to stay. Cleveland also went over the Bucks um, in the last, gosh, I think last couple of days. So now Cleveland is the three seed. To me, like I think it's three seed or bust for the Bucks. Like I would be fine if they got the two. I'd be great if they got the one. But I think right now you just look at the three seed. I don't think you worry about the two or the one. So when you talk about how concerned you should be, I don't think it should be that much of a concern because Cleveland didn't play last night. You didn't lose a full game against Cleveland. Philly didn't play also last night. So again, that's not a worry. Philly plays a really good Celtics team who's rolling right now. Now Philly has owned Boston. So this is a fascinating matchup tonight uh, on TNT, by the way, if you want to second screen it with Bucks and Pacers. Bucks also in action. Cavs in action tonight against the Hawks team who's been up and down, right? I think we had a really hot streak. It was like, here come the Hawks. And it's like, JK, LOL. Uh, the Hawks haven't been playing as well, but still a road game, still a tough one for Cleveland. So there's an opportunity tonight where if Milwaukee wins tonight, right? And let's say Philly loses, Cleveland loses, the Bucks are the three seed again, okay? So that's where it's like, it's really hard for me to be like, all right, I'm mad that they lost. Like, I was like, I was going to start the show and then I did the buyout stuff and I was like, why, you know, they can't keep giving away games. And it's like, true, but at the same time, it's like, okay, this is all right. Like, this is, this is fine. Like, you didn't have Giannis. Hopefully Giannis can play tonight. I would imagine the Bucks were just giving him an extra day off. So he didn't have to play the back-to-back -back against two teams who are going to be in the lottery. 
Like, okay, you'd hope to win. And then Middleton shot 3 of 15. You can't have that. And Chris Middleton, it, it, we're getting to that point with Chris Middleton where we have to have a real conversation about can the books do this without a really good Chris Middleton. And Chris Middleton has been rough this year. Um, his all-star slot is very confusing. I almost want Middleton to give it up and be like, this should be Drew. Um, but I don't think Middleton will do that, right? You know, it's that's not what you do. You don't just Rudy it and be like, hey, I don't belong to be, an, I don't belong as an all-star. Drew does. And Drew definitely deserves it. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about that, I think, with Mitch. I have a good topic there on Drew. I don't necessarily worry too much about this. I think if you were to lose Indiana tonight, then it kind of is like, all right, now you pissed away two games, especially because you have Philadelphia and you have Cleveland both playing tonight. So they are both in action. They You lost a half game because of losing last night. Don't lose another, don't lose a full game on both of these teams if they were to both win. Now they both have hard opponents and everybody could lose and this thing is null and void. But those, this is a nice night for the Bucks to get a game. Because you're playing at home against a Pacers team who's clearly tanking, who can't stop a fucking sneeze right now. They're giving up a ton of points. They are still sort of gelling. You know, Halliburton's playing. Be a nice homecoming for Halliburton, who I think played in the, the game when the Kings were in town a few Saturdays ago. So he gets another chance to play in Milwaukee in front of his friends. That's great for him. But that should really be the only, like, Pacers storyline. Like, the Bucks should hammer this team and then you avoid whatever happens to Cleveland and Philly. And then on Thursday, you get Philadelphia. I'm pretty worried about Embiid. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you're going to have to do a lot of Giannis on, on Embiid because I don't think you can put Bobby on Embiid. I don't think, I think you can put a Bach on Embiid for a little while. But, I mean, you're going to need a lot of Giannis on Embiid. And we'll see if they decide to do that. We'll also see if their approach. With Embiid is different than what they deal, did with Jokic. Um, I feel like they're similar players. I don't think Embiid is as good of a passer as Jokic is. But I do expect them to do something a little bit different than what they did to Jokic. So in in long or in short, however you want to say it, I'm not worried too much about losing to the Blazers. It's a bad second quarter. That really was it. You have no bench right now. You need to find what that sort of bench looks like. And you gotta you know, work that bio market, which we just talked about. And you can't necessarily give up tonight's game. Yesterday, fine. Today would be unacceptable, just given the fact that Cleveland's also in action, Philly's in action, and oh yeah, by the way, they're playing hard teams. It's not like they're playing the fucking Kings and the Pistons, right? Like if they're in action against the Kings and the Pistons, then I'd be like, well, it would be kind of similar. Like, yeah, you'd have to win just to keep pace. Today, it's like you can win and actually like gain a game. So don't don't fumble that, especially in your matchup with Philly coming out. And also, too, like you're really close with Philadelphia record-wise. So that game matters a little bit more on Thursday because if you can get a tiebreaker there, that could be really important for seeding. It could mean being at home. It could mean being a three seed. It could mean being a two seed. Like you want to make sure that you have a better record than the Philadelphia 76ers and the Cleveland Cavaliers for that matter. The Bucks have lost two to Cleveland. If they, they have one more matchup with Cleveland, I think really late in the season, it's like April 8th. And so you might need that one. And that usually by April, it's like, all right, whatever. 
kind of rest for the playoffs, but that might be a game where you need to have the starters out there to make sure that you have the tiebreaker against Cleveland. I don't know what the tiebreaker goes to after after head-to-head. It's probably conference record. Let's see what, what the conference record is between the two teams. We wouldn't know this at this point. I mean, this is way, looking way ahead, but, you know, you never know. You got to gotta at least evaluate. So let's see here. Conference record is the Bucks do have actually they've lost four four more games in conference than the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that's not good. So Cleveland would uh, own that tiebreaker likely. But we'll see. A lot of basketball left. I mean April is months away. Um, a lot can happen. Who knows? Maybe the Bucks just go on a massive tear and then they're one seed and none of this matters. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, hopefully they bounce back against Indiana. Last topic of the day to ride us out, we have the Marquette Golden Eagles. They are not in action tonight. Actually, the Wisconsin Badgers are in action tonight, if you care about that. But we care more about Marquette here on this program. And Marquette suffered a bad loss to Butler. Uh, Butler is not a team that Marquette should lose to. Uh, Butler started off red hot, and Marquette was never able to recover. Um, If Marquette had kind of held their water, I think they win that game. But they got down 21 and it was just too big of a hill to climb. Now, there are some stats that are concerning about Marquette. Um, their defensive efficiency has tanked in the last two games uh, against UConn and against Butler. Now, some of us could look at that and say, all right, maybe Marquette is a little bit run down. Maybe they're a little bit tired. Maybe this is just a young team who's dealing with a long, long season. And this is the sort of dog days of basketball. Like you're trying to get to the conference tournament. You're trying to finish strong. You know, these senior laden teams, the Providences, the Villanovas of the world, you don't know what this is like. Marquette does have a young team that cannot be forgotten. And sometimes that can trip a team up. So I do worry about that a little bit. I also hope that it's just a blip on the radar that Marquette's defense is going to recover. And I think you, as as a Wojo guy, or not as a Wojo guy, as someone who watched Steve Wojciechowski coach throughout the last basically seven or eight years, this was about the time of year where Marquette would start falling apart, where Marquette would start you know, losing games that they shouldn't. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, now Marquette went from a tournament team to maybe they're on the bubble. Like we saw this multiple times in the Wojciechowski era. Now, I'm not saying that the same thing will happen with Shaka Smart because these are different guys, right? This is a different coach. Like there, there's no you know evidence that this is going to happen. And Marquette gets a Georgetown team who had to play against Creighton on Monday night. Georgetown has been struggling mightily this season. So this is a great get right game for Marquette before going to Creighton on Sunday where the Blue Jays are really tough to beat. And that's gonna be a really tough environment for Marquette. So they kind of need this one against Georgetown. Now also too, losing to Georgetown will be a very bad loss. And then, you know, take Marquette's seed down a couple notches, especially because they're at home. So this is one you have to have. This is one you don't fuck around with and you lay the hammer down and hopefully this defense comes back. Hopefully this is not something where Marquette plays well, but their defense is still concerning because you do have do have some big games left. You still have that Creighton game. I think they have St. John's left still. Like, you know, the, the schedule eases up for Marquette, but even though that the schedule eased up for Marquette, you know, they struggled against Butler. They it was a it looked like a team who was playing their first bad team in forever. 
And that they just sort of were like, all right, we can waltz into Hinkle Fieldhouse and win this game. And Butler's like, no, dude, like we're playing all right basketball. Like they've lost three of their last four. This is a great get right spot against Georgetown. And then they go to Creighton, then back home and play DePaul on National Marquette Day, which should be rocking on the road to DePaul and then St. John's. Marquette's last five games, they do not play a team in the top 50 in Kempom. There is no reason that Marquette can't win out, and that would make them 20-10 and 10 and 12-7 and 7 in the Big East, which would pretty much put them around probably a four or a three seed in the Big East tournament, and now it's kind of where you want to be. You want to try to get that three or four so you can get that buy, at least one buy. Um, I think if you get to three, you're in two-buy land, which is really good, but I, I would settle with at least just one buy, and I, I do think the Golden Eagles can't get there. So hopefully... You know, the, the game against Butler was just a bad game. It was just sort of a hangover game. Also, too, to consider, you know, this was Marquette's fourth away game in five days, five games. That's that's pretty tough. If you really, and if you want to even expand it further, this was their fifth or sixth away game. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, fifth away game in seven. So that's tough. That's really tough for a team who's young, right? Like a team who might not, you know, understand, you know, going on the road and knowing you have to have a different attitude. I realize it's late in the season and you're going to be like, Charlie, you're making excuses for this team. It's like, I'm not. I just understand that, you know, this can this happens in college basketball, right? But there's no excuse to lose to Georgetown. You have to beat Georgetown. That's a absolute must. You have to beat Butler. You have to beat St. John's. All those games are at home. Take care of business at home at least. And yeah, Creighton's a, a toss-up for sure. DePaul, I wouldn't consider DePaul on the road a toss-up, but who knows, right? DePaul's playing a little bit better. They took Providence to overtime on the road last last Saturday. They beat Xavier on the road. They're playing at least decent basketball right now where you could say, okay, maybe DePaul is getting warm. But DePaul plays a ton of games down the stretch where they might just, you know, the en- energy levels might be out of them. Like they have to make up a lot of games because of COVID. Uh, Marquette and St. John's also too need to, and I think that game's just not happening, right? Because Marquette and St. John's were supposed to play on the road and I don't, I don't think that's happening. Like I don't think Marquette's going to St. John's, which is really interesting. Uh, that game is not on the schedule. It doesn't seem like it's going to get rescheduled. So I guess that... Guess that's that settles it, right? Uh, we're not going to get two games against the Johnnies this year, which we'll see how what that does for for scheduling purposes. But it's not on uh, the schedule I'm looking at, and I haven't heard anything. And we're pretty much at the end of the season. I mean, Marquette has a week uh, between games between the Creighton and Butler where it would make sense to play St. John's. Let's see what St. John's has. But St. John's has Creighton on Wednesday, so I well. I mean, they could play, I don't think they want to go back-to-back, but Marquette, yeah, they're kind of stuck, right, with that Wednesday game because Marquette plays Sunday, and you couldn't play Monday, you couldn't play Tuesday because then they have a game against Creighton, you couldn't play Thursday. Yeah, they're kind of fucked. So we'll see. So I guess we're not going to get a second game between Marquette and St. John's. All right, that's that's all right. I'm not. I'm okay with that. We've not not always played well uh, in New York, so I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, it, the only reason it's nice to play St. John's sometimes is to get that Madison Garden experience and just get comfortable playing there. But that you don't always even play at Madison Square Garden. Sometimes you play at Carnesaca Arena. So I hope that the defense for Marquette comes back to life. I I feel like it could. Um, I think that. They just basically sort of show, didn't show up against Butler, and that happens. And Marquette hasn't 
done that really since gosh I guess I guess St. Bonaventure is the the one example of that where they just kind of ran out of gas. They haven't really done it all year, so it's a it's kind of surprising. But at the same time, it's something that does happen in college sports where you just sort of take a team for granted and you get your ass kicked. It happens in football, it happens in basketball. It's just I think it's part of that psyche. It happens sometimes in the pros too, where these guys come in and be like, "All right, we can just waltz in and win," and then they all of a sudden lose by you know seventeen points. Not like I know a team like the Bucks or anything that would that did that yesterday. Just saying. <laughs> all right, well that will do it for today's show. Um, probably try bringing some football tomorrow. Um, for, I, I do want to talk about the baseball lockout at some point. I haven't talked about that at all. Um, we're getting closer and closer to spring training supposed to be starting and it probably is worth me just giving a rant about baseball and my thoughts and everything like that oh there was a david stern's contract we didn't talk about that so yeah let's do we'll do some baseball tomorrow um we'll, we'll try to do some football too and who knows if the bucks lose to indiana maybe we're, we're pushing the panic button all right take care of yourself have a great tuesday we'll be back tomorrow we'll see you then bye